Welcome to Inside the Three, the only football-related podcast that brings you unfiltered discussions. These defenses are starting to pick apart the Steelers, and the fact that our offense is starting to crumble right now, I'm going to say it. I don't think they're for real. I think this is probably the biggest joke team to start off 11-0. Bold hot takes. I'm telling you right now, unranked ball state is going to go ahead and beat San Jose State. You cannot be sleeping on these Cardinals, and they are on fire. An analysis regarding the latest football games that will make you want to throw your intellectual challenge flag. Give them something against someone like Georgia, but open up that number four spot for a team such as like Texas A&M. Shout out to Dude Perfect. Those guys are probably livid right now because Ohio State is taking up this four seed, when in reality, A&M has been playing out of their mind. Cincinnati, who's 8-0 and ranked number eight in the nation. That's disrespectful. Get ready, cause the ball is spotted. Inside the three. Welcome back inside the three. Thanks for joining in on this week's conversation. What a glorious time it is to be a football fan, whether you're a big fan of the college gridiron showcase or of the professional NFL uh, jumble that we got going on. I'm Jake, JT and Mark joining me once again on this episode. And uh, we got a lot of exciting content coming to you guys before we dive in today's show. Uh, a few things looking out for. Um, along with this one, we are going to record another episode, so another dual episode special this week. Uh, we did that back during the holiday season, and we had so much fun with it. We said, screw it, we're going to do it again. Um, then we're also going to upload our own separate NFL playoff brackets. Now, we've sent this to our private group chat that we have to you know coordinate uh, recording times and such, but you know we all thought it was fair that we would go out and re- you know just dissect our thinking for how the NFL playoffs are going to go. I know Mark sent his earlier today and he has, you know, he's got a very interesting take for how it goes. I have a take for myself. JT is keeping his secret and he's keeping it for his episode. Uh, So we're going to come out with that. And also coming up, whether it be in a week or two, is going to be the launch of it3show.com. Now, the thing with that, you got to pay attention to our Twitter and Facebook pages because we're going to be releasing it on there. um, Whenever it first goes live, it's still being produced and, you know, made up. So, uh, just looking, look forward to that. We're going to try to upload some articles, extra features to that too, just so that way we have a little bit more credibility to us instead of just an actual podcast. We want to do a little bit more for you, the viewers. So be on the lookout for that in the coming weeks. And of course, the dual episodes coming, our own playoff bracket is just a fun-filled uh, next few weeks here in, inside the three. If you want to stay in the conversation, IT3 show on Twitter and Facebook, that's where all the, all the discussion is going to happen. So you better get over there quick. Uh, but without further ado, let's get into today's show. And uh, today's show, oh boy, we start with college football. Now, the college football playoff, we all thought was going to be cut and dry. You know, obviously Notre Dame was going to get killed. We all thought Ohio State was going to be knocked out because they didn't play many games. On the contrary, it was Clemson that was knocked out. Trevor Lawrence. Uh, it was knocked out of the playoffs and seemed to be another front runner to go back to the national championship. It was, it looked like them and Alabama were the heavy favorites. So, um, that's, it, it was weird seeing that Justin Fields ran all over, uh, the Clemson defense. Things just didn't look too good. A lot of people were thinking it's because da- coach Swinney said that, you know, you know, pretty, pretty much took verbal jabs at Ohio state. And that kind of gave him that extra incentive, that little kick in the ass in order to, you know, do better on the field. Um, Mark, I want to start with you looking at these two. Uh, well, hold on. We got to still got to establish some more setting with that being said, that's kind of taken a little bit off the NFL draft stock for Trevor Lawrence, and it could have potentially rose Justin Fields. Uh, so now you have this big question big thought bubble surrounding these two quarterbacks. A lot of people thought it was going to be Trevor Lawrence going first in the draft, but that may have changed, may have changed with um, Justin Fields taking him out of the college football playoff, made him look better, made, rose a lot of his fellow teammates stuck in the NFL draft. Now we get to the question, Mark, I'm going to start with you. Who has the higher draft stock? Do you think Lawrence was affected negatively by this loss? Or do you think Justin Fields is only improved his own, didn't really hurt Lawrence? And who do you see? taking these two top tier players or could they go back to school in terms of Trevor Lawrence's status? I think either way, Trevor Lawrence should go back to school, whether he's going to Jackson or New Jersey or New York, wherever the heck it would be. Um, But listen, now with Jacksonville firing their head coach, Doug Marone, 
and then possibly having the combination of getting Trevor Lawrence and hiring Dabo Sweeney. That would be a very interesting combination of that happened there. Listen, for me, in the Ohio State and the Clemson game, there was a very key penalty that I thought was huge. That was total bogus once again. We talked about targeting a couple weeks ago, and once again, Justin Fields was running, and he was a legal runner, and he got hit, and he didn't slide or anything, but he got whacked, and they called targeting, which was an absolute baloney call. For me, this game did not damage Trevor Lawrence whatsoever. Trevor Lawrence went out there, and he did his job. He went up and down the field. He put drives together, and he looked, as usual, amazing on the field. We just saw how Dwayne Haskins just got terminated in, in Washington by Ron Rivera there for being relatively mature, not following COVID-19 protocols, losing his captaincy, and, and just not doing what he's supposed to do there in Washington, which got him to be terminated. Dude, let's just remember here, Dwayne Haskins came from the Ohio State University. For some reason, every time you got to say Ohio State University, you got to put the on the front of it. Dwayne Haskins just came from there. Behind him was Justin Fields. You have Justin Fields learning the same offense and playing the same way as Dwayne Haskins. You're going to tell me that a quarterback who learned the same way, played the same way, did everything the same way as Dwayne Haskins, who just got canned, is going to turn out better than Dwayne Haskins. No, I don't see that. I understand totally how they're two different players and, and they don't act at all similar. Justin is a little bit more down to earth, has a lot more common sense about him, and he is really a smart kid. Not saying Dwayne Haskins isn't, but Justin does have a little bit more presence and does know how to handle certain situations. With that said, I still think if I had to choose in between these two quarterbacks, I would still go with Trevor Lawrence. I mean, for me, it's simple. I mean, you look at the stat way and everything like that. You look at Trevor Lawrence over his past couple of games. He threw for, the man threw for 400 yards against Ohio State. Like, in that game, he was doing everything he can. He could. He just didn't get the support he needed. It, I mean, hell. Oh, Cornell Powell. Oh, the man caught for 139 yards and two touchdowns. That's where both of Trevor Lawrence's his touchdowns came from, um, or more or less went. The, the thing that gets me, and, and Mark, you bring up Dwayne Haskins. And personally, Dwayne Haskins went through one head coach. He went through Urban Meyer. And then you turn around, and who did Justin Fields learn under this this week or this year? He learned under Ryan Day. So pretty much he went three years under Dwayne Haskins, and then he went and under Ryan Day, and I think he had one year with Urban Meyer. But that was it. But yet he was still able to turn around and actually get something done with Ohio State and beat Clemson. He threw for 300. Now, Fields had a fantastic day that day. He threw for 385 yards and six touchdowns. Like, that's incredible. That that seriously is. But now you have to go ahead and you have to go up against Mac Jones in Alabama, uh, which everybody can attest for. Going up against any Alabama quarterback, even if it's a redshirt junior, is not an easy feat because you know you're going to have to throw that ball multiple, multiple times. All right. And the thing that gets me is can Justin Fields do another 385 day? Hey, because right now you look at someone like Trevor Lawrence. I want to bring up Trevor Lawrence's stats. The man has thrown for 400, threw for 400 yards. Then against Notre Dame, he threw for 322. Virginia Tech, 195, 403 against Pittsburgh. Or, or 289, 404 against Georgia Tech, 292 against Miami, Virginia 329. I mean, I'm 168, I believe that's against uh, Citadel. Oh, but obviously had to rest on eight for nine on that one. And then 351 on against Wake Forest. Gentlemen, I'm going to be, be put it to you like this. Justin Fields did not have have the same numbers that at one Trevor Lawrence had. And and it, it shows. Because for me, Justin Fields, he didn't do much. much. And you look at the com- comparison and you look at the two teams. teams. Look at the competition. Notre Dame, Miami, Georgia Tech, and Trevor Lawrence is dropping those numbers. 
Justin Fields faced Michigan State. He threw 199 yards. Rutgers, he threw 114 yards. Penn State, 318. His most yardage was against Clemson. But you're asking him to do other things. Northwestern, he only threw for 114 yards. My thing is the consistency with Justin Fields. He doesn't really show it. I think if he wants to prove that he's the number one pick in the NFL draft, that he's better than Trevor Lawrence, and Trevor Lawrence should go back to school for one more year. Honestly, if that's the case, I think that Ed, he needs to beat Alabama, and he needs to show that he can be consistent, that he can throw for another 385 yards and throw for six touchdowns again, and also be a mobile quarterback. Act. And honestly, against Alabama, that's not easy because obviously we know who the head coach is for Alabama. The Bill Belichick, if you will, of the NCAA in in Nick Saban. So for me right now, the number one pick in the overall in the NFL draft right now, going to the Jacksonville Jaguars, would in fact be Trevor Lawrence if he doesn't go back to school. So for me, I'm not saying that. You know, Justin Fields is better, but I think he needs to have a better game against Alabama coming up on Sunday or on Monday, excuse me. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how these two quarterbacks fare out because, you know, obviously with a shakeup in the NFL draft order and now this whole chaotic event of Fields knocking Lawrence out, it's raised a lot of questions. But for me, the thing that I'm, I'm noticing the most is that I, I compare who they've played against, if that makes sense. You guys know me. I'm a huge Pitt football fan, so obviously I follow the ACC a little bit more closer than uh, a lot of conferences. But looking over at the Big Ten, I mean, Justin Fields, granted, this has been a poor year to judge performance off of because, I mean, they've played virtu- they've played six games, you know, six regular season games, Obviously, that's going to throw a wrench in some things, but I look at it this way. Trevor Lawrence has gone up against some pretty stiff competition, um, but I think Justin Fields has a little bit more uh, when it comes to um, I, I, when it comes to, I guess, merit, if you will, especially this season, because Justin Fields hasn't had much time to prepare because of Ohio State joining late. Um, they've played Indiana, who's ranked. They played a lot of tough competitions, especially Northwestern, who was a surprise to everyone this year. And Justin Fields was able to take him down through everything. And then you look at the game against Clemson. They beat him 49 to 28, and Justin Fields led him to that. Um, just looking at it, and then looking over at the ACC, um, it, it's hard to judge because there were only a, a select amount of teams that warranted praise for the season. Um, I would pretty much say that other than Clemson and Notre Dame, the only other team that I would probably give any sort of kudos to is NC state five, five home wins, three away wins. They finished the season eight and four, seven to three in the conference tied with North Carolina. But I think NC state's a little bit more grittier than North Carolina is. When I look at the ACC, you got teams like Pitt who had a bit of a slump during the season you have a lot of sub 500 teams and let's face it. Trevor Lawrence went up against some of them. And when they played without Trevor Lawrence, they kind of struggled. I know that was against Notre Dame, but still they kind of struggled. So like it all comes down to, to me, who they stacked up against fields has, I think, I think the big 10 is a lot more competitive and more tough and tougher than the ACC is. And uh, I'm not trying to discredit Trevor Lawrence by any means because obviously this kid is a young stud. He has got a lot of promise for the NFL. The only thing that I see with this is I, I it's hard because I, you know, if you were to ask me, do you like the move of Trevor Lawrence going to the New York Jets? I would say yes, because I think the Jets have a lot in, you know, a lot of potential on that team. They just didn't have the coaching to get them to where they needed to be. Jacksonville is a broken franchise. I mean, you look at who they have. They have a few okay players. Their wide receiver core isn't bad. They're, you know, James Robinson's a good running back, but he's pretty much all they have on offense. Yes, they haven't had a solid person under center in a while, but at the same time, I don't think subbing Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and or Justin Fields, I want to say, into the Jacksonville Jaguars 
Um, I don't think that's a good move for either of them because of the defense. I think the D- Jaguars defense is awful. So you could, it's essentially polishing a turd. It's, it's, you can make it look as pretty as you want, but in the end, it's still a turd. You could have Trevor Lawrence throwing 400 yards for five touchdowns in a game. But if the defense is going to let that up for the, uh, for the other team, then, then it's really just evens itself out and doesn't make Lawrence look okay. It just makes him look like he's the only good player on the team. Where I'm going with this is this. I still think Trevor Lawrence is going to go first in the draft. But I think if you ask me who I think is going to benefit more by from being drafted, to me, it's Justin Fields. Dude is elusive. He is a dual-threat quarterback, which has become a common theme in the NFL uh, over the past few years, especially with the resurgence of, or with the emergence of Lamar Jackson. It, it, you've seen this thematic shift in the NFL where you must have a quarterback that's sort of dual, dual threat, traditional style quarterbacks that are all arm pretty much aren't the, aren't the move anymore. And I think Justin Fields is going to pan out because I think New York has a little bit more promise. I think if they bring a level headed coach in who can, who knows what he's doing, I think the jets have a lot more potential for success. So Trevor Lawrence, congrats. You've won the first overall pick, but I think in the end, Justin Fields is going to win more because I think he's going to be taken by New York unless they completely screw up and butt fumble, no pun intended, actually total pun intended to the Jets and completely mismatch everything that they have going for them. Everything points to Justin Fields having a little bit more success. Could that change? Obviously. But if you're looking at brass tacks, I think Jacksonville is more broken. I don't, yes, Trevor Lawrence could go and do great, but at the same time, I don't think it's going to be what we all expect him to be but who knows like i said it, it, it's it's football you don't know what's going to happen and case in point the you know the the college football playoff game no one thought clemson was going to lose everyone thought clemson was going to decimate them decimate ohio state but we were proven wrong so that leads us into the next topic the national title game or as i like to call it the natty title game that's coming up here on monday january uh 11th january 11th of 2021 uh maybe 2020 fun who knows let's see what happens we got number three the third ranked ohio state buckeyes taking on first ranked bama jt you mentioned it that Bama's coached by uh, the bill belichick of the college football era and that's nick saban this dude is a football mastermind especially in, in the college level i would love to see saban make it to the nfl one day as an nfl coach but I think he's got a good legacy going down there in Bama, whereas Ryan Day likes to, looks to beat the odds with Justin Fields and cement their legacy as national champions. Mark, I'm going to give it over to you first. Who do you have in this game, and what should we be expecting in this natty title game in 2020 fun? All right, so we were alluding to a whole bunch of coaches earlier. We were talking about Ryan Day, Urban Meyer, Dallas Sweeney, et cetera. This reminds me a lot of, do you guys remember when the Tampa Bay Bucks won the Super Bowl? It was a Tony Dudgy team. That was coached up. Tony Dungy was fired the year prior. John Gruden came in and won the Super Bowl with a Tony Dungy team. Oh, wait. Hold on. Can, if I can interrupt you, this reminds me of when uh, Mike Tomlin took over Bill Cowher's team and won a Super Bowl with Bill Cowher's team. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mark. <laughs> no, you're fine. Again, I get that same feeling here. This is an Urban Meyer team who literally has not been out there about a year now being run by Ryan Day. Listen, for me, Alabama is going to win this game. And everybody's going to say, oh, yeah, it's Alabama. Of course, they're going to win this game. Listen, the difference maker for this game is Mac Jones, quarterback junior for the Alabama Crimson Tide. On the year, just this year alone, 4,036 yards, 36 touchdowns. Both of those are second in the NCAA, backed up with only four interceptions which is tied for 35th in the NCAA Mac Jones has been a very very smart impressive quarterback this year and yes have a competition the Gators were right there with him a few weeks ago and they, like I said the Gators kept them within 10 points in single digits you have LSG you got to see every year you got all these teams you got to see every year by the way Steve Sarkeesian got hired out for the Texas Longhorns congratulations to him for being the new head coach out there for the, the Texas uh, Longhorns there listen for me, the difference maker in this game is Mac Jones. I don't care what Ohio does on defense. I don't care how big the game Justin Fields has. For me, Mac Jones is a future NFL quarterback who is going to be absolutely deadly when he gets his chance to come to the draft board. And I need teams to realize this is not a kid you need to pass on. 
for me, Mac Jones is going to lead the Alabama Crimson Tide over the Ohio State University in this championship. For me, it comes down to two things for this national title game. Jake, you brought up one of them. It's competition in and who teams have faced in the past. For example, well, Alabama. Look at who they faced. You got Georgia, uh, who was ranked, what, number three in the nation when they faced them. Um, Texas A&M, who finished the season number five in the nation. You have Mizzou, who's an unbelievable talent. And unfortunately, that LSU against and Alabama game got postponed, owned, but they did wind up playing it on December 5th, which wound up being an absolute routing for Alabama. And then they beat Florida, took it to Notre Dame in the ball game. And by the way, that Florida game was and that was for the SEC title. Oh, but again, just listing off who they faced off, even Auburn in the Iron Bowl. Oh, like honestly, for me. With the strength of schedule, it goes to Alabama, obviously, because Ohio State didn't have their normal matchups. They faced Michigan, absolutely. They faced Michigan State, 1,000%. They faced Penn State, 100%. They faced Rutgers, like they should have. But they didn't face Michigan, who, in my opinion, was going to be that tough opponent, who was going to be that tough competition that they had. Even Maryland, even, in although that team out there, and Nebraska, too. Teams that they should have faced, but they didn't. And Now, granted, they did face Nebraska, but again, Maryland and Michigan, they didn't. So, really, for me, it's strength of schedule. However, the other thing that it gets me is it's a coaching matchup. Ryan Day's in his second season as a head coach for Ohio State. This is his first national championship game he's going in against. Gentlemen, this is Nick Saban's what? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go ahead, Ed, and I'm going to take a guess. This is probably his, let's say, 10th maybe. The man's been in, the man's been around for a while. Saban's been around since 1973, if you can believe that. Hey, hey, former head coach at Toledo in 1990. The former head coach, coach at Michigan State, 95 to 99. So he knows what it's like to go against Ohio State. A head coach over at LSU was a former head coach for the Miami Dolphins back in 2005 and 2006. And then from 2007 to, to current day, he's with Alabama right now. Oh, and by the way, he was a defensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns and a de- defensive backs coach folks, for the Houston Oilers. Just throwing those out there. Oh, and also... Same thing for the Ohio State Buckeyes back in 80 to 81. A couple of things you didn't know about him. The man's won six national titles, nine SEC championships, one MAC championship, and 11 in SEC Western Division titles, as well as, as a two-time, or actually just looking at it, he had multiple Coach of the Year awards. You look at what Ryan Day is going up against in terms of a coach that he has to go up against, more or less out-coach. We said it before. I said it before. I'll say it again. Nick Saban is the Bill Belichick of the college football world. However, here's my thing. Nick Saban's better. I think if Nick Saban – Jake, you said it. If Nick Saban had another shot in the NFL, oh, imagine Saban took over the Jacks. Imagine Saban took over the Jets. We're looking at two teams that are completely different – in or more or less completely opposite, it, that can absolutely run over for defense. And you have have a guy who knows how to win, who does what he has to to win, and he's proven it before. So for me, it's simple. Bama's going to take this one an easy. Ohio State didn't have enough of experience this season, and honestly, for me, when it comes down to coaching, it's one thousand percent going to be Ohio State. that fails in the coaching department because Ryan Day is not going to be making those plays that he should to go up against Nick Saban. So, like I said, give me Alabama in this one. Yeah, I agree. Um, Give me Alabama in this one too. Listen, we all could have made an excuse for, you know, Davos Sweeney getting under the skin of, 
Ohio State because that's how he is. He likes to get under his opponent's skin. He likes to get into the mind. He likes to play mind games a little bit. Nick Saban's got a little bit more authenticity to him. He's got a little bit more grit. He wants to prove it on the field. He doesn't want to take anything behind the scenes. He doesn't want to do anything like that. He, he knows there's integrity behind the game, and that's what he wants to bring into this national title game. And, I mean, he's been here before, and so has Ohio State. So it's not like anything new for these teams, and I think he knows that. Granted, I mean, but look at this as well, and this is probably some, you know, we should have mentioned this earlier, but he also now has the 2020-2021 Heisman winner on his team. Devontae Smith. Congratulations, by the way, Devontae. Congratulations for finally breaking the streak of quarterbacks winning the, the Heisman and finally being a wide receiver to win it. I think it was all the way back since 91, I believe. Um, could be wrong on that, but uh, it was around that time. It's been forever. But now he's got a he's got a Heisman winner on his team, and he's no stranger to that either. Um, he's got a lot of players that are going to go high in the draft. This guy's got loads of talent. This, this team is five-star quality. Ohio State Yes, I'm going to throw it. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to sound like a broken record. They barely, you know, they played minimal amount of games this year. A lot of people can contest that they shouldn't even be in this situation. I even did a few weeks ago. But congrats, Ohio State. You made it. But you're going up against essentially Brady and the Patriots of college football. Bama is nothing to mess around with. And I think they know that. But looking at Nick Saban, he's a strategist. He has integrity when, it, when he comes to, you know, week in and week out. He doesn't see this as a national title game. He sees his team as 0-0, and they just want to go 1-0 to finish out the week. That's who Nick Saban and the Bama Crimson Tide are. And I think with that edge and with that mindset and not worrying about mind games, not worrying about their other opponent and just prep and, you know, just constant preparation and putting his players and team first and having that 0-0 mindset. Every week's a new week for Nick Saban, and I think they're going to, you know, nothing's going to change coming into this game. So give me the Bama Crimson Tide. While I don't necessarily, as a fan, want to see it, you got to put logistics first and give credit where credit's due. And Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide deserve all the credit in the world, especially going into this week. So I got Bama taking this one. Exiting the college football realm, we now turn our attention to the NFL. And uh, the, the way this is going to work, yes, we're going to have our own prediction tree. Uh, but this week, we're going to focus on Wild Card Saturday. Now, the Chiefs and Packers get the week off for their um, for their respective buys, you know, clinching the number one seed. Congrats to those two teams. There are three games slated for Saturday and Sunday. There are three AFC games and three NFC games. Now, the way this is going to happen, I'm going to take the AFC games for this episode. You're going to have to check back later during Mark's episode, which is going to be released later this week, and he will have the NFC matchups for you. So... That's right. We are baiting you to come back and no shame in that. We got three games this week for the AFC. Uh, two on Sunday, one on Saturday. The one on Saturday is the Colts versus the Bills. Now the Bills are a heavy favorite coming into this one, but Phillip Rivers and the Colts have shown people that, yeah, they they are the bad. They are, they are a scrappy bunch of, a bunch of players that can do really well on the football field. So it's going to be a tough competition no matter what. But I think after last week's absolute thrashing of the Miami Dolphins, the Bills are making it clear they are not messing around. They don't care about unwritten rules. These guys have had how many Super Bowl opportunities taken away from them just because of poor luck. These guys want the title this year, and they're going to do anything they can to instill fear in the hearts of their opponents. And this week's no different, especially since they're going up against Phillip Rivers and the Indianapolis Colts mark. Who do you got? It's 105 on Saturday on CBS. Colts Bills. Who do you have? I mean, for me, I'm going to take the Indianapolis Colts over Buffalo. Listen, as we've said before on previous shows, Buffalo has done an absolutely fantastic job this year, and Josh Allen has been playing out of his mind. You could argue he is a is definitely a candidate for MVP, although I have my MVP voting going to Aaron Rodgers. Um, listen, Philip Rivers is now in the playoffs and now under a different team instead of being there in, in L.A. with the Chargers or previously the San Diego Chargers. The Colts have a top two defense in the NFL. The Buffalo Bills have just outside of 20, if I remember correctly. Oh, I'm sorry. The Bills have the 18th ranked defense in the regular season in the NFL. Listen, an 18th ranked defense like that in the NFL may get it done during the regular season. It's not going to get it done in the postseason. It takes both offensive and defensive play 
plus along with a very smart head coach in order to win Super Bowls. For me, the Indianapolis Colts check off all three boxes that teams need to make playoff runs. You've got a great quarterback, Philip Rivers. You have an offense who's playing out of their mind, even though they're missing pieces like we've noted before. You have a defense who so far on the regular season year, right, six touchdowns, 10 fumble recoveries, and 15 interceptions. That's absolutely amazing. You can get your offense in great field position to make shorter drives, to make sure you can at least put three points on the board or a maximum of seven points on the board, and you keep the opponent's offense sitting on the bench cold where they belong, not scoring points. For me, the Indianapolis Colts, the number seven seed, go ahead and beat the number two seed in this upset and getting the win this weekend. Oh, we're already starting hot. White, hot, coals for these NFL playoff predictions. JT, do you share the theme, or do you share Mark's idea that the Colts are going to upset the Bills, or do you think the Bills Mafia is going to run wild? You know, it's crazy to think about. This is the first time the Bills have won an AFC championship, or not even AFC East championship, for God knows how long, because we know that division's been taken over by the Patriots and Bill Belichick and company, and Tom Brady. But for me, it's tough, man. And because of the fact that, how can I put it? For me, the Bills have been spotty against teams that they should be beating. I mean, for example, oh, should have beaten the 49ers, only beat them by 10 points. It's a lot of people said they should have ran over the Steelers in a sense, held them to 15 points, but still beat them by 11, struggled offensively. Ran over the Broncos, 48-19, great job. Uh, but that's the freaking Broncos. Broncos aren't doing shit. You, you beat Miami to keep them out of playoffs. I'll beat them by 30. You dropped your first 50 burger on the season. But then you lost to the Titans, 42-16. to 16. And you lost to the Chiefs, 26-17. Barely beat the Jets. For, or actually, both times, you barely beat the Jets. It's 27-17 and 18-10. And you barely beat the Patriots. It's on November 1st. And... You barely beat, and you beat the Seahawks by 10, but then lost to the Cardinals. My question is, is Buffalo playoff ready? Now I get it. I get it. A 12 and three record or a 13 and three record. That's phenomenal. However, for the Colts, it, 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 it could be the same story. You know, lost to the Ravens, should have beat them. Went one-on-one against the Titans. That was expected by a lot of people. They beat the Packers. They beat the great Aaron Rodgers, if you will. Oh, swept the tight or swept the Texans. They lost to the Steelers, which is respectable. Oh, and then lost to the Browns. Again, potentially respectable in a sense. Browns played unbelievable this year. But that week one matchup, they lost to the Jaguars. And after that week one matchup, it kind of just set a flame. I'm going to share Mark's opinion. I'm going to go with the Colts. Oh, I'll take them because for me, again, it's the fact that, yes, Buffalo went 13-3 and this season, and, but they look spotty while doing it. However, when the Colts, after the Colts lost to the Jaguars in week one, it was nothing but consistency. Philip Rivers played out of his mind, and in my opinion, should be a contender for MVP because if it's not Philip Rivers, he's in. He's honestly he taking that team completely different routes. And honestly, T.Y. Hilton, nobody talked about him. T.Y. Hilton played out of his mind, mind you, through this season, and nobody talked about it. And another guy I want to talk about for Buffalo, Stephon Diggs, he's listed as questionable, and he was limited to practice today. So if he's not healthy, that's going to be something else. Oh, so I got to go ahead. I got to take Indianapolis on this one. Wow. You guys are killing me. This is, this seemed like a a three to nothing favorite coming into this one, but you guys have astounded me with who you've picked so far, but I have to go with the oddball in this one, Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. They are the modern day big Ben and AB. Whenever they were hot and AB didn't lose his complete marbles. Um, And the whole fact that I think they're aware that they could become the new top dog in the AFC East. 
And, you know, considering the Patriots are, you know, just on a downward spiral right now, I think they're going to try anything they can to make sure that they are, that they wipe any sort of existence of the Patriots from the past, you know, and, you know, in the coming years, if you will. And this is no exception this year. Um, looking at both teams so far, um, the only thing that's really staggering to me is the Bills defense. They are, um, pretty pretty middle of the rankings when it comes to it Colts are ahead of them according to ESPN but you look at the offense and Bills are second in offense this season almost averaging 400 yards uh yeah almost averaging 400 yards per game now you compare them with the Chiefs the Chiefs are stacked with talent okay we don't need to say that the Bills on the other hand they have some decent wide receivers uh Stephon Diggs uh John Brown who just came back and maybe a few other ones, but their running game, Singletary's been a little, eh, you know, not really too, not really too much there. Um, the Bills O-line, I got to I gotta give them credit, though. They have protected Josh Allen like no man's business. Um, so looking at these two teams, I think when it comes down to it, you got to look at how the offensive line holds up. I think the Colts have a little bit more of a weaker offensive line around Phillip Rivers just because, you know, they, they seem like they're still the same guys you've seen in forever. Um and if you watch tape on both teams, Josh Allen just looks comfortable back there. Like he's not worried about anything like these guys. And yes, you can make an argument of who they've played this season. You know, they've played the Jets one game. They've played the Cardinals another who they lost to. But like at the same time, the Bills are still a solid team when they stack up against the Colts. If you ask me, I think the Bills are very favored in this matchup just on paper. And that's why I'm taking the Bills in my first round for this one. Um and it'll all pan out when we when we do like our individual uh, playoff bracket playoff predictions. But uh, give me the Bills. I I, I don't want to conform to that. I I seriously think they are favored in this one. Uh, so I'm going to take them. Next one on the agenda agenda Sunday game 105 on ESPN and ABC. It's the Baltimore Ravens and the Tennessee Titans. Mark, you have a special name for this one. So without further ado, I'm going to hand it over to you and you can give your opinions and takes for this game. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, may I introduce you to the COVID-19 championship game featuring the number six Baltimore Ravens versus the number three Tennessee Titans. We talked about this before in the regular season. These were the two teams who continuously broke COVID-19 protocol and did not get punished by the NFL. Both of these teams effectively caused trouble for other teams around them, scheduling conflicts, and caused huge issues for the Pittsburgh Steelers and others. This game is ironic. You have these two teams who are touted about continuously during the regular season by all the major sports broadcasting announcers and all that, how these two teams are, are dark horses and how they should easily be competition for the Kansas City Chiefs and all that. Now they got to face each other. And on top of that, you have two teams who are really, really, really supposed to be ahead of their competition this offseason coming into their regular season. Both the Ravens and the Tennessee Titans were very, very streaky this year, hot at points and cold at other times. Tennessee Titans under Ryan Tannehill look absolutely brilliant with Mike Vrabel's coaching. However, you have other times as well where they just absolutely choke out. Same for the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar can't throw. He can run. He's got an awesome pair of legs, but he can't throw. Who do you pick in this matchup? I mean, honestly... This is a matchup that out of all three games that we're going to do for the AFC, this is one matchup where I say, okay, I would rather Baltimore out of the playoffs, Tennessee out of the playoffs, and everybody else gets a pass on to the next round. That would be it for me. For me, because we have to go with the rules, obviously, unlike other people who don't, <clears throat> Ravens and Titans. I'm telling you, for my, the Baltimore Ravens are going to beat the Tennessee Titans in overtime, and then once again next week, they face off against the Kansas City Chiefs and get schooled once again by the Chiefs. JT, I'll hand it over to you. Oh, man, Mark with the burns. I love it. I, I love it. Mark with the burns. burns. Gentlemen, how are you guys feeling? I'm feeling a little bit of deja vu. Didn't we just talk about this game not too long ago? Anybody feeling a little deja vu? Oh, all right. We did talk about this game. And literally seven weeks ago, we talked about this game. And, and what was the outcome? 
Oh, yeah, that's right. It was a Tennessee win. But hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Ladies and gentlemen, you act now. I'll throw in a kicker for you. The win was in Baltimore. This game's in Tennessee. Now, granted, granted, Baltimore last week ran for nearly four, or actually, they ran for over 400 yards combined. Congratulations, Baltimore. You did fantastic last week. Oh, wait, but that was against who? That was against Cincinnati. Tennessee was fighting for a division last week. Literally against the team that wanted to play spoiler and wanted to convince a star defensive end and a star quarterback to stay on their squad, who's going to do anything to keep them there or to show that this team wasn't dead? Hey, who did you face last week, Baltimore? Oh, yeah, that's right. You faced the two 13-1 Cincinnati Bengals. Congratulations, Baltimore. Seriously, pat yourself on the back. For me, it's simple. That run defense and or that running game for Baltimore is going to be shut down. Um, because Tennessee is going to do the same thing they did a couple weeks ago. They're going to make Lamar Jackson throw. Oh, and I've said it before. I will say it every single time we call a Baltimore game. You want to make Lamar Jackson look human and make him throw the football. Oh, it is that simple. When he throws the football, he is a liability. All right. It is that simple. Oh, we compare him all the time to Michael Vick, whether it's on the show, whether it's off the show, whether you're having a conversation and you talk about Lamar Jackson, you compare him to Michael Vick. Again, the one difference between those two, Michael Vick can actually Throw the ball down the field. Lamar can't. And by the way, there's some other guy on Tennessee. I don't know if anybody's heard of him. His name is Derrick Henry. The man absolutely crushed this season. And seriously, I had him for fantasy. Thank God I did. He absolutely killed it for me. And the thing for me with Derrick Henry, he rushed for over 2,000 yards. This man should be MVP. Derrick Henry should be MVP. No doubt in my mind. 17 rushing touchdowns with over 2,000 yards. Screw the quarterback conversation. Put Derrick Henry in it. Put King Henry on his throne for MVP. All right? And where did Derrick Henry thrive last year? Oh, yeah, that's right. In the playoffs. Derrick Henry is playing out of his mind right now. Gentlemen, I'm going to put it to you like this. Tennessee takes this one under the throne of King Henry. Yeah, no other explanation other than that. Uh, listen, the Baltimore Ravens, I think, if you look at all of the teams in this in these playoffs, I think the Ravens are probably the least deserving out of all of them to be in this, um, in this spot, especially with Mark said, you know, them con- consistently – uh, breaking COVID-19 protocols and causing breakouts. Uh, one of the main, uh, in, and the other Tennessee obviously being the main influence for the Steelers, you know, hectic schedule. Uh, but I think the Ravens have a little bit more. Their running game is not established. J.K. Dobbins, yes, you've done very well all season long, so credit to you. Um, but once defense has started to figure out Lamar Jackson in his running scheme, uh, he was forced to throw, and he did not look that great, guys. I mean, JT, you said it best. They, you got to make them throw. Yes, it's gotten better over the weeks, but look at who also they played. Whereas Tennessee, they're established no matter where you go. They have a good receiving core. Tannehill has really thrived on, as the quarterback of the future and you know, for years to come at Tennessee. Derrick Henry ends man, ends people's careers. Is sort of you know like Triple H burying people in the WWE. He one stiff arm, and that man is embarrassed the rest of his career. <laughs> there's just no doubt about that. So um, Tennessee is a heavy favorite in that one. So I'm going to take that with you guys. Uh, Tennessee, heavy favorite. Ravens, get the hell out. And then Sunday, you have the COVID Browns taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
815 on NBC. It's in prime time. This is another wild card game that's going to be, you know, very, it's going to be watched by many because a lot of people think the Steelers have had an easy ride this year, that they're going to lose this first round of the Browns. However, the Browns are going to be without coach Kevin Stefanski and a few other people because of positive COVID tests. So when you look at this, you have a team that's starting to, you know, break down into shambles. And then you have another team where people are constantly questioning their merit. Mark, I'm going to let you go first on this one. Who do you think takes this game between both of them? And uh, yeah, it's pretty much all about it. Cleveland, Pittsburgh, who do you got? Listen, unlike the Pittsburgh Steelers who face adversity and COVID-19, the, the Cleveland Browns don't fold. Listen, the bottom line is this. The hugest loss for me besides Kevin Stefanski is wide receiver out there in Donovan Peoples-Jones. This kid was on fire until he got knocked out last week due to uh, one of the going up for air ball and got hit by a defensive back by Pittsburgh. Totally legal, 100%, but now he's out for concussion protocol. That's going to be a huge loss. Baker Mayfield really liked Donovan Peoples-Jones. Future kid out of Michigan. Got to keep an eye on him for future years to come. Listen, for me, the Browns have faced adversity time and time again this year. We've documented multiple times this year about both Pittsburgh and Cleveland facing a loss. Pittsburgh got handed a series of losses after they had their late COVID game versus Baltimore. They had lost to Tennessee. They go ahead and then they lose to Buffalo. Then they go ahead and they lose to Cincinnati. Yes, the Browns have been counted out multiple times this year. They had Odell Beckham Jr. at the beginning of the year. He's gone now. He's no longer there. He's out injured. The Browns should not have been where they were. The Baltimore Ravens were supposed to do better than the Browns. And granted, yeah, you could say the Baltimore Ravens did better than the Browns. The Ravens are the fifth seed and the Browns are the sixth seed. Yeah, they did one position better than the Browns. <laughs> you, like, seriously, Cleveland has done some amazing things this year. They have 11 wins on the season. This is unheard of since Bill Belichick was their head coach. For me, when the Browns are counted out and when they have a lot that they need to face up against, yes, I understand you're going to be playing in the frozen ketchup bottle and Pittsburgh is is 100% favored every time that they're in the frozen ketchup bottle. But for me, Baker Mayfield shown that he can put this team on his shoulders and lead this team to a victory. This team is going to rally around the fact that Kevin Stefanski is not going to be there. And with Baker Mayfield, they're going to go ahead into that frozen ketchup bottle and get the win this weekend over the Pittsburgh Steelers. JT? So two things I want to point out with what you just said. You said that Cleveland Cleveland doesn't fall under pressure. Let's be realistic. If it's not for an incompletion last week, the Browns are losing to the Steelers' backups. More or less, they're blowing a lead because Cleveland had the lead for the longest time in that game. And they nearly blew the lead against the Pittsburgh Steelers' backups. Like, are you kidding me? You're supposed to be the number. You're supposed to be a favorite in this game, in a sense. You're supposed to be going into the Heinz field against the Pittsburgh Steelers starters. And a lot of people are going to be throwing out shade and everything like that, saying that Pittsburgh's, or, you know, they're going to be on ice and everything like that. They're not going to be on ice. They're going to be rested. Seriously. They're not going to be on ice. They're going to be rested simply because of the fact that, let's be realistic, gentlemen. And honestly, they have been playing since what, week five? Like, after, oh yeah, Titans protocol failed. Oh, and that game had to get pushed back. And then the same thing, Pittsburgh has played through adversity all season as well. But gentlemen, it's simple for me. Pittsburgh's at full strength. Everybody actually seems to have found their hands, apparently. So Pittsburgh, pat on the back to you for finding your hands. But here's my thing. I don't think Baker Mayfield is ready for the playoffs. Okay, I'm not hating him. And yeah, obviously you had some injuries this season. Obviously, he Odell Beckham, he, he kind of took a hit there. Or really ate shit on that one. I hate to see it, but who knows. Honestly, for me, it's simple. Baker's not ready. He, he seriously isn't. 
And right now with all the COVID protocols that's going on for the Browns and everything like that, there's no pushing back these games. We are in playoff mode. Okay? I'm going to put it to you like this. Is, and obviously, I don't know all of the NFL is going to be listening to this, and I honestly hope they will. Well, honestly, it's simple. Well, if Cleveland is not good to go on Sunday, give them the damn forfeit because I'm not waiting 70 days just for another playoff game between in the Browns and the Steelers when we need a decision by Sunday. I'm not doing that shit this year. Here, more or less this week. All right? It's that simple. Cleveland's missing pieces, they play without. Oh, so for me, it's simple. Pittsburgh's gonna take this game. Pittsburgh goes seven and one, seven and one at home. Um, they lost to Washington, but that was after the Ravens game got pushed back like 20 times. I and they were or beat up. So Washington took care of a beat-up Pittsburgh team. But guess what? Pittsburgh's rested. And they got the defensive player of the year, probably a comeback player of the year on their team. And Pittsburgh's pissed off. So honestly, they want to prove people wrong. They're going to start by facing, by proving the, they're going to be proving people wrong by taking out Cleveland in the first round. Listen, if you were to tell me that the Cleveland Browns were at full strength for this weekend, I would honestly give them the benefit of the doubt and honestly vouch for him i'd say that they actually have a strong case um but with all of the things that are surrounding the team right now uh especially with the loss of their head coach because of covid i find that harder and harder to believe as the seconds go by that they have an easier time at beating the pittsburgh steelers um and it you know the steelers like jt mentioned have tj watt who is most likely the in I think he is the unanimous favorite for defensive player of the year. If not, and if he gets snubbed again, I think there's going to be a big uproar among Steeler nation. Um, you got Ben who's on his revenge tour. He finally got a nice week of rest. Um, and then you finally, and then you have, you know, just pretty much everything going for the Steelers. However, Mark, uh, <laughs> I made a joke earlier, uh, as you know, as we were prepping for this episode, that it, the game's going to come down to Chris Boswell's foot. It is. I, I mean, how many times have we been in clutch situations where the Steelers needed a good three points from a kicker? And don't worry. Now I see Mark saying things about Juju being the number one receiver. Listen here. He's not the number one receiver. It's between Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson. And before you say that, before you say anything about Deontay dropping, he's gotten way better over the past few weeks. So if yeah, and I honestly think Chase Claypool is at number one status right now, right now, not two weeks from now, right now, especially with the targets he got whenever Mason Rudolph was under center. If you ask me, he helped Mason Rudolph look pretty good. So I think Steelers receiver core is great. Juju's there as that slot flex man that can get a few downs when needed, whenever all the coverage is going toward Johnson or, or Claypool. So I think they have that built right there. Only thing that I think can hurt the Steelers right now is the absence of Joe Hayden because of a positive COVID test, the absence of Eric Ebron, even though Ebron has been sort of a liability because of how many drops he's had over the past few weeks. Um, and then uh, Marsh, the one linebacker off the practice squad, he, he had a lot of hype built around him but because of a positive COVID test. That's kind of hindered things. But those are really the only subtractions the Steelers have right now. And I think they can still win this game without them. And I think that they're going to have a good shot at winning this one, especially with all the things surrounding the Browns. It may not even happen. I honestly think that if things get worse for the Browns, they may not even play this game and they may just forfeit to the Steelers. But how many times have we said that all season that people are going to forfeit to another person and it never happened? But yet I digress. I'm picking the Steelers in this one. So those are the three games for Saturday. And, uh, Let's take a look now at a very more broken down basis. Take a look at a key player that we think is going to come out in each game. So what I want you guys to do is just pick one player from each game. It uh, doesn't matter which team could be the winner or the loser. Uh, tell me why you think they're going to break out and be a key player um, in, in their respective games this weekend. Mark, I'm going to start with you. All right. So Colts versus Bills. I'm not, I'm going to pick a key group. And for me, it's the Colts defense. And I know, yes, that's going against the rules. But for me, it's the defense. The defense shows up 
I don't care. You guys got to remember who's on that defense. You have Justin Houston used to be with Kansas City. Xavier Rhodes used to be with Minnesota. You have DeForest Buckner, who's now coming into his own. For me, the key for the Colts going to win against the Bills, and that is that Colts defense. Ravens against the Titans. For me, Lamar Jackson must show up in this game. Listen, I know you got wide receivers, and I know you got running backs, and you got all these weapons around you. But Lamar, for me, has been the question, biggest question mark on that Baltimore Ravens team. We know he can run. That's proven. That's in the books. We need to see if he can use his arm and be smart and consistent with the football. I don't, don't, not talking about deep Hail Mary passes down the field. I want to see consistent short to intermediate routes, sustaining drives, continuing drives, and being able to work within the pocket when you're able to. Don't be scrambling all over. If Lamar Jackson can do that, and use his arms and play smart football this weekend versus Tennessee, he's going to be the difference maker for the Titans winning. The Cleveland Browns versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. For me, I was going to tell you, if he was still here, Donovan Peoples-Jones was going to be the difference maker. What I'm going to tell you right now for the Browns, and this is going to be continuous throughout the playoffs, the difference makers for me for the Browns is Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, their running backs in the backfield. Listen, the longer you can keep Pittsburgh or eventually maybe even a Kansas City off uh, on the sidelines where they belong the better the cleveland browns are going to be at and what do you do you rely on your running backs you have two awesome phenomenal running backs in that backfield cleveland needs to utilize them throughout this postseason run that way you will also open up baker mayfield you'll be able to make him execute the football when he's passing and make the defense more affable to screwing up on the passing game you'll also be able to keep your defenses on the bench rested that way, when they are on the field facing against offenses like Pittsburgh or KC, they're rested, they're ready to go, and they're not exhausted. For me, for the Cleveland Browns, their two running backs in Hunt and Chubb are the key players for them to get the win over the Pittsburgh Steelers. We will credit you know, the defense because in fantasy terms, the defense is one whole unit. So I let that go, and I like the whole uh, Hunt and Chubb duo for the Browns, so I'll take that as well. Uh, JT, how about you? So I'll go ahead. I'll go game by game as well, straight down. For me, it for the for the Colts Bills game, it's simple. My key player is gonna have to go ahead. It's gotta be Ty Hilton. Honestly, Ty has been in this situation before. He's been that he's been that locker room leader. Excuse me, been that locker room leader. And honestly, he's shown why he should be. He considered, you know, one of the top guys in the NFL. He proved it this year. Or hell, 15 games, games, 15 starts. Or same thing as always, 57 and reception, 762 yards. Honestly, he and five touchdowns wasn't targeted as much as we're used to seeing. But honestly, whenever there's a clutch moment or whenever there's a big moment needed for T.Y. Hilton, he's there. Or, all right, you can always count on T.Y. Hilton to be there for the occult. He's been there ever since, since he got drafted. And honestly... He's got to go ahead. He's got to do it again. And for the Titans against Ravens, for me, <laughs> I, I don't think I praise this guy enough. But honestly, it's King Henry. He, he had a hell of a year last year in the playoffs. He was the one that actually was responsible for the Ravens being bounced in the first round. And, and he was the reason why the Ravens lost a couple weeks ago. Had a hell of a game. For me, Derrick Henry needs to get off the ground and he needs to get off the ground quickly in this one and honestly and I think that's easy for Derrick Henry to be said and he needs to prove why he wants to be MVP this season prove why he honestly he is going to be a force to be reckoned with again in the playoffs also I say again because honestly we see what he does as the man ends careers the man does does not care if you are a child he does not care if you are his own grandmother you get in his way while he has the football, he will put you six feet under. Or not literally, but we've seen it. it. And then honestly, Pittsburgh against Cleveland for me, not screw it. I'll say it. It needs to be the wide receiver core. Or honestly, why did Pittsburgh win so many games in the beginning? Because people were catching the damn ball. That's what needs to happen. And on Sunday, Pittsburgh needs to actually catch the damn ball. 
Ben can do so much for the team. He can scramble, not as well as he used to, but he can still scramble. Oh, running game, not the best. Not the best since we had Le'Veon Bell, but it's something. But for me, it's the wide receiver core. They need to step up and actually start making these catches. Ebron, Johnson, and Claypool, Juju, all of them need to start making catches in order for Pittsburgh to actually be successful, in order for the Pittsburgh Steelers to make it past the first round, the second round. Hell, to even make it to the Super Bowl. Pittsburgh wants to go far. They need to actually catch the damn football. So for me, like I said, it's simple. Well, it's got to be the wide receiver core for me. And I know we said one player, but again, it, it's that collective unit. Listen, I agree with that. And listen, when we say one player, we don't mean just one individual name. It can be, but, uh, you know, if you have a unit, you got a squad, you got a duo, fine with me. Um, For me, it's like this, and this might be a cop out for the first game for the Colts and Bills. Josh Allen, you got to be that leader this weekend. Yes, I know. It's it's weird being in the playoffs. It's weird being in a spot where, especially with your team and the track record you guys have. But you're a leader. You've led your team this far. And with you and Diggs, Diggs has helped you so much this season. Be the breakout quarterback star that you need to be. So just continue that this weekend. There's no reason it shouldn't continue. And that's why I think you're going to be the breakout selection for me for this one o'clock game on Saturday for Sunday in the Ravens Titans game Derrick Henry dude's got to be on his a game he's got to be that leader again it's like Josh Allen first round of the playoffs it's not easy you may think that you're facing a lower seeded opponent and it's going to be an easy victory it's not you got to end man you got to end careers take names be ruthless don't even think twice about it just do it do your do your thing, Derek. All right. Don't, you know, just go out there, run all over the field, rack up as many tutties as you can, crack open a few beers after the game, and enjoy the success and advance into the next round where things get really competitive. For Browns and Steelers, um, this is going to be another cop-out maybe, but Ben, you're back, dude. You're back in the dance. You guys won the AFC North. The Ravens, who have plagued you for the past few years, are lower or below you. And we're doing better things now than ever. And you got to lead your team back to the promised land, man. Stairway to seven. You have so much riding for you. And this could be your swan song. You ride off into the sunset with a Super Bowl title, you're going to go down as one of the best quarterbacks of all time. If you fail to make this happen, it's going to be hard to come back from, especially since this is a one op- one-time opportunity with the team that you have. Because I have a funny feeling we're going to lose a lot of people in the offseason, whether trades, free agency, retirement, who knows. You need to be on your A game. You need to be the Big Ben leader that you are. That you are. You know, No excuses. Get out there and lead the Steelers to the stairway to seven. So Allen, Henry, and Roethlisberger, three prime players, but they still need to come up and show out this week. So as we round out this episode, um, let's end things on hot takes. And they have to be AFC matchups only or I believe national title games hot takes as well. Um, let's just do one each because we're, you know, it's another lengthy episode. So it can be anything from AFC to uh, the national title game. Mark, let's start with you. All righty. So I ran some stat lines a couple of episodes ago where we went in and we talked about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Their average score that Pittsburgh should be getting per game is 26 points. And typically when they score that 26 points, they will win the game. I will give the Pittsburgh Steelers scoring 26 points this weekend. However, that is not going to be enough to beat the Cleveland Browns. For the first time this year, Pittsburgh is going to put up 26 points where they're supposed to win. But they're going to lose at home in the frozen ketchup bottle to the Cleveland Browns in this wildcard round of the AFC. So I haven't done this in a while. And personally, I don't know why I haven't done it more, but my hot take is actually going to be going with, for anybody who is into betting for sports betting, folks, I'm going with total points here. Here, Guys, circle that Baltimore versus Tennessee game. Call this a shot. 
total points they're saying is 55. I think if you have the opportunity to bet 85, I'm going to say take it. Hey, or actually, you know, yeah, 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 I'll go with that. Hey, go for a total points to be 85 or more. That's right. I'm saying that both Tennessee and Baltimore get 40 points combined, 42 to 43 points combined between the two teams. All right, I like it. I like it. I'll finish off by saying I think that Baker Mayfield, despite you know falling and not having his head coach, I think he's going to throw for over 400 yards and maybe three tutties. Baker Mayfield's a beast on the field. Don't expect anything less than a great game from him. So other than that, that'll do it for this episode of Inside the Three. Make sure to check back. We got our fantasy prediction or fantasy predictions. Good God. We have our playoff predictions coming here soon. We're going to have our website launching soon as well. You got to tune into inside the three that's it three show at Facebook and Twitter. We also have it three show at gmail.com where you can send us your questions, your feedback and anything else that you may have for us. But for this episode, I've been Jake and along with JT and Mark, and you've been with us as we went inside the three.